today I think this hymn is very fitting. This is the end. is the air I breathe, your holy presence living in me. This is my daily bread. This is my daily bread.
just some things that we need your help with today. So come, speak to us. Change us. We pray in your name. Amen. Thank you, Abel. You probably noticed the nice juicy grapes up here and the not so juicy seeds over here, the raisins. I'm going to get to that in a moment. I know you've probably been thinking about it. Alan, I think, wants to eat the grapes, but um, John wants the raisins. <laughs> John wants the raisins. Uh, I'm going to start a new series today in the book of Ephesians called Grace in Action. I did mention a little bit about that at the beginning during the announcements. And um, I think it's important for us to understand that God has a plan and a purpose for our lives. Amen? He does. He really does. He has a plan and a purpose for each of our lives. And he has a plan and a purpose for his church. And so today we're going to look at and start into the letter uh, to the Ephesian church. Uh, there was more than one church, so it was a letter to uh, more than one church. And uh, the Apostle Paul is writing the letter. He planted the church um, a while ago, uh, back in, the, I think it was 52 AD, and then he went back and visited that church five years later, spent a lot of time with them. He knew them, he understood them, he loved them. And then uh, five years later or so, he found himself in prison because of his faith. And so he's writing to them to encourage them in their faith and uh, to remind them that God has a plan and a purpose uh, for their lives. And so um, uh, the Apostle Paul kind of brings out in the first three chapters the doctrine of the church. Yeah, this is what we believe and why we believe it, that, that Christ came and died for our sins and, and how God did it, his plan and his purpose for each one of our lives and how he designed the church. He goes on in the next three chapters, there's six in total, to actually start talking about, now that you understand and I've reminded you about why God did this and what his plan is for your life and how he designed you to be part of the church, now I'm going to remind you and encourage you that, that you should live in a certain way. And so all of this, um, this being saved through faith, is part of God's grace. He gave Jesus to each of us which is really his grace in action, right? God initiated that grace in action movement to send himself as a human man to die on a cross so that you and I could be saved from our sins. It's nothing that you can do. It's nothing that I can say. It's what God did for us. That is his grace in action. Um, the second part of the, the, book, of the letter, the three um, chapters after that, is about our lives flowing out of the proper understanding of what that grace means to us. And so when we fully understand it, we become followers of Christ and we live that out, that is also God's grace in action through your life and through my life and through the life of the church. And so we're going to look at that today. And um, so I'm going to start by calling this, this sermon the preview. All right, it's the introduction to uh, what Paul is going to share with the church today. And uh, he does it in the first two verses. That's all we're going to look at today. He says this, this, is, this letter is from Paul, chosen by the will of God 
to be an apostle of Christ Jesus. I'm writing to God's holy people in Ephesus, in that area, who are faithful followers of Christ Jesus. May God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. Amen? So, uh, to start off, I, I just want to ask you, have you ever looked at your computer or watched TV and seen the show where you're wondering, like, um, where are they now? Your favorite movie stars from back in the 70s and 80s and 90s, you've searched out, maybe you're looking on your computer and something comes up like on MSN that says, where are they now? Let's look at these 10 stars and what their lives are like. This is kind of what Paul is saying in his introduction in the preview of what he's about to talk about. He's saying that, that where are they now? They're in a different place. Transformation has taken place because of God's grace. They're not the same people that they used to be. And it starts with Paul. He says, I was chosen by the will of God. I'm an apostle of Christ Jesus. And so what he's, what's taking place in his life is that there's a positional place that's taken place in his life. He's a changed man. The Apostle Paul is. And if you uh, ever read this letter, uh, many times we just skim through the introduction so that we get to the meat and potatoes of what's really going on in Scripture, right? But this is so important for us to understand that Paul is one of those guys that, where is he now? He's now an apostle of Christ. This is the same man who years before was killing people. He was killing Christians. In Acts chapter 8, he stood at the at the end of the road and held jackets so other guys could stone and kill Stephen, a disciple of Jesus. They didn't understand, they didn't believe that Jesus was actually the way to God. They didn't believe that Jesus was who he said he was, the living God. And so there was Saul at the time, the Apostle Paul, holding the jackets. And Scripture tells us that, if you read on in, in Acts, that, that he approved of them killing followers of the way. And so if you and I were back in that time right now, we would be in risk of Paul actually wanting to kill you and me, right? That's who he was. So he was in agreement. He was consenting to, and he agreed to the execution of Christians. This is the guy, the same guy that's now an apostle chosen by God to take the message of Christ to all of the other parts of the world so they could hear about the truth of the gospel, that's what God does. He, he transforms people. He puts them into a positional place that they've never been in before. That was Paul. He was transformed because of the grace of God. And when it was happening to him at the moment, it says in Acts chapter 9 that he fell to the ground. He fell to the ground. Jesus actually spoke to him while he was on his horse. And uh, I got to tell you right now that when, when you experience God's grace in action... It can knock you down as he starts to transform your life. It, it'll take you out of whatever you've been doing and bring you into a new place. Some of us here, we know exactly what that's like. And the cool thing about this is that when you, when you read in, in Acts chapter 9 that experience that Paul had, that transformation, it wasn't just him. Everybody else that was with him heard God speaking to him. And they were speechless. What can we learn from that? That when the grace of God is in action in your life, other people will hear the voice of God through the way you live. And sometimes they'll be speechless about what you do. I can't believe that, that they would do that for me. I can't believe that, that, uh, that they would pray for me. I've heard all of those comments from, 
people around this area about you, the church. That's what the positional place does. God's grace in action takes us to new heights, and people are left speechless because they feel they don't deserve that kind of love, that kind of grace in action from you and from me. The people with Paul were speechless. Um, and what happens when we experience that transformation, that change, when we, when we realize that Christ died for us, when we accept his love, it changes us totally. It says down in, further in Acts chapter 9 that but Paul immediately started to preach about Jesus. He started to tell other people about who he was and what he did for him in that place, in that positional place that changed. The second thing we see here is that there's a second group of people whose position had changed. He says, I'm writing to the holy people in Ephesus who are faithful followers of Christ Jesus. Now, looking at that, you go, okay, big deal, Tim, get to the point. <laughs> the point is, is that they weren't always like that. You see, when Paul first went to this place of Ephesus, it was a fishing community. And everybody was into themselves and drinking and partying and all that kind of stuff that goes on in small towns and fishing communities where they're just trying to get through life and doing whatever it takes to get from one day to the other. It was no different than what life might be like around here in a fishing community like this. They didn't believe in God. It was a, a place where Paul was sent to evangelize, to bring the gospel. He was on a missionary journey. A lot of people were unbelieving people until Paul told them the truth about Jesus. And so here's another group of people who had their position changed in life. They became holy, and they were followers of Christ. How did they become holy? How do you become holy? It isn't because they said, one day I woke up, and you know what? I think I want to be a holy person. I think I'm going to try to be like Jesus. I'm going to be holy. That's not how holiness happens. We celebrated it today that that Jesus died on the cross for us, we remembered by eating the bread and drinking the juice. And what happens when, when, when he did that, what happens to us when we believe, what happens is that, is that Jesus died to take on our sin on the cross. Yours and mine and everybody else in the world. When we believe, that sin is transferred to him. He now has the sin of the world in him. Imagine the weight of that on the cross. And what it does for us is it gives us freedom. At the same time, what he did was he transferred his own righteousness, his own holiness, onto you and me. It was almost like a, a trade. He exchanged our filth and gave us his clean. You follow me? And so now when God looks at us, he sees the righteousness of Christ. It was a transfer, an exchange of his holiness for our filthiness. That's what happens. That's the only way how we become holy. We become in Christ because of Christ, not because of you and me. By grace alone, we've been saved. Amen? And so the Ephesians were just like us. They were people who were in their filthiness, but because of Christ, when they heard about him, believed, and they became into holiness because they were in Christ. And so now they're in a different place. They're in a practical place. Because Paul says that they are faithful followers of Christ. They're doing something. They are grace in action. And we're going to see this as we explore this, this letter, what that looks like in our lives. And some of you might go, okay, well, okay, what does a practical place look like? And uh, if you think about it for a minute, um, if we're in a position of holiness, and we're supposed to be practicing holiness by our lives, something should be different about what we do, right? 
when people look at you, they should see Jesus. They should see that there's something different about your life. Let me give you an example. When I was younger, I was a hockey player. And many times I've had conversations with a lot of you where my dad was a handyman. He was an electrician. And he wanted me to actually learn from him. And I was just like, I'm a hockey player, Dad. i got to go outside and play road hockey. Hockey was my life. I, I, my, my statement is I, I, I eat, breathe, and live hockey. If anybody looked at me and said, hey, that's Tim Long, he's a hockey player, right? Because when they looked at my life, everything I did was about hockey. That's kind of what it's like to be a follower of Christ. That when people look at us, they, could, they should be able to go, they're followers of Jesus because of the way they live their life, right? And if people are looking at you right now trying to understand who you are, if they don't see that you're a follower of Christ, that should actually trip something in our mind, in our hearts. Jesus even said, they'll know you're my disciples because of the way that you love one another, right? That's grace in action. So uh, when people look at you right now, do they see that you're a Christian? Do they know that you're a Christian by your love? Do they? Because I think that's at the crux of this message today, that, that it's so practical that we should be eating, breathing, and living the gospel in everything that we do. But I know that's a challenge for many of us. I know it is. Because I'm tired. I can't. I won't. I won't do this because I'm afraid of what other people might think. I've heard that from people. That there are fishermen around us that won't come to church because they're afraid of what other people might say. They'll get made fun of. Maybe you think you're too old, too tired, and maybe you're too worried about things in life to be able to, to live out Grace in action in your life. And that's something we totally understand, isn't it? We worry about stuff. We worry about the test results that I had with the doctor. We worry about our children making the right decisions as they get older. We worry about our spouses. We worry about things. We are worry warts. Right? We are. Jesus, God, he even said to his disciples, look, you have nothing to worry about. God made the birds of the air, the plants in the field. Why wouldn't he take care of you? And in Matthew 6.33, he said, look, seek first the kingdom of God. And everything will give you what you need. That's it. But it's so hard for us to grasp that because we get in the way. We start worrying, right? We start doing what we think is right. And what happens is our lives start to, to shrivel under the pressure of the worry. An old pastor of ours, Warren Charlton, said that worry kills passionate spirituality. Right? Worry, getting in the way and trying to take care of things on your own, will kill you. God's grace is the one thing that we need in order to get through it. It's kind of like these, these grapes, right? Like, we have these wonderful... Uh, delicious, juicy. I mean, they are so good, right? They look good. And they're on the vine. They're connected to the vine. And so what happens when we are in the practical place, just like the grapes, and we're connected to Christ, when we seek him above all other things, when we stop the worrying, we can grow. He's going to produce something in our lives. When we detach from the vine, 
when we try to do it on our own, we start to shrivel up under the pressure of life. Right? We start to think there's no way out. And in a sad way, when we're not connected to Christ, to the vine, we can't rest. And I have to tell you right now that that's one of the fundamental problems with most people is that they don't have time to rest. And it's killing them spiritually and physically. And I can admit to you right now that I'm in this place. That we are so busy that sometimes it's hard to stay connected to the vine. And I think it's taking its toll on, on, on us. And I know that some of you are in this place right now. That you're feeling the shriveling effect of not staying connected to the vine. Maybe this is an opportunity for all of us today. You go, you know what, Pastor Tim? I get this. I'm not going to not try and solve things on my own anymore. I'm going to trust that the Lord has a plan and a purpose for my life. He took me from what I was, and he put me in this new place as a follower of Jesus. I'm going to live that out in my life, even when it gets hard to do it. The last thing Paul says is, May God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. Why? Why would he say that? At the introduction, at the, at the preview of everything he's going to say, the last thing he says before he gets down to business is, May God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you the grace and peace that you need. Because he knows that life is hard. He knows that, that you're going to need all of the grace that God gives in order to get through day by day. In order to stay connected to the vine, you're going to need the grace of God in action in your life. He doesn't say, try really hard to read your Bible. Try and be at church as often as you can. He doesn't say that you have to do anything other than allow God to give you what he wants to give you. His grace. And out of that grace, out of that, that place of peace, his grace will flow in our lives. I believe it right now. I've seen grace in action all around me. And I have to tell you like a, a personal testimony of this just recently. Um, some of you know that when I would drive down the road in my truck, you would hear my brakes going, creak, creak, creak. It was really embarrassing. But we didn't have the money to fix the truck, right? So something happened. I, mean, I was just like, God, give me a break. <laughs> and he did. Like I say that jokingly, God, give me a break. But how many of you are in that position day in, day out, where you're sitting down with your head in your hands going, God, give me a break, Right? God wants to give you a break. He wants to give you more than one break. He wants to give you the, all the breaks you need. He's just waiting for us to ask him. And so here's what happened to me. It worked out so that, that we were able to get my breaks done. Somebody blessed us. Somebody else sent us money that we weren't expecting. Not because we said, hey, the brakes in the truck are broken. and we, You know what I mean? Like somebody actually sent us Enough money to help take care of the brakes that would have cost like 1200 bucks. So we had enough for all the parts. And because of somebody else being obedient and listening to what God's doing in their own life, they were like allowed to extend that grace in action to me. And somebody else who was like, I'm going to send some money to Pastor Tim and Julie, they did. And so we had exactly enough to take care of all of the parts, the transaction for the brakes, and there was still enough money left for me to put gas in the truck because it was on empty. <laughs> that is grace in action. 
And it all started because God is waiting and listening. And Paul even said it. He wants to give you the grace and the peace that you'd so desire in your life. And so what am I saying? Just try and forget about all of the worry that's going on right now. And I know it's hard. I really do. But there's old red legs is in the back of the yard going, yeah, keep worrying because he's not listening. Right? Jesus even said that, that the thief has come to steal, kill, and destroy your faith. That's what he's hoping for. And so when you worry, he's being successful. And so shut the door, close the window, say, you know what, devil, no longer am I going to be like driven by the worry that you've placed in my mind and in my heart. I'm going to trust um, the Almighty God and Father who sent his only son to die on a cross so that I could be forgiven so that he could live out his life in me now and forever. You see, God didn't just die for you so that you could go to heaven when you die. He died so that you could experience his grace and life right now. And so that other people, when they look at your life, go, wow, he's a Christian. She's a follower of Jesus. Look at them go. I want what they have. Man. God's grace in action. He wants to take us into a different place. He wants to help us to practice how we live. Now, at the end of the day, some of you might even go, I love this. Diane does this all the time. By the grace of God, Tim! It's true, Diane. By the grace of God. Yeah, I had a starter that was going to cost me $215. Right? $19. There you go. By the grace, the grace of, God, of God. Right? That's different than going, God, I want a billion dollars. Right? That's different than that. There are some things in your life right now, like getting older and, and not remembering things and wondering when we're going to die. God has it all planned out for your life. Yes, there will be ups and downs. Yes, you will have sickness. Yes, you will even have cancer. But God has a plan for all of it. Would you trust him in it today? Would you stand, please? Maybe you're in that place, like me. And so I just want to see, by a show of hands, how many of you are worrying about stuff? Yeah. Can we agree as one body, the church, that's time to, to shut the door on that worry? It's time to start trusting him even more with whatever it is, because he wants to do that. And so, Father, today we... We come to you uh, broken, worried, and uh, feeling like we just can't get through this. And your word says that we don't have to. We don't have to try because you did it all. You triumphed over death. You gave us life even right now. And so, Father, come to each one of us. Whatever that worry is, help us to just throw it down and to be speechless about what you have planned for us next. And so come, Holy Spirit. Minister to our hearts and lives like never before. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Paul finishes this uh, first section of Scripture with this uh, benediction, this, this like, okay, now that you've heard but what this is about, listen. Now all the glory to God who is able, through his mighty power at work within us, to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Glory to him and the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Church, say it. Amen. Amen. Amen.
Thank you for coming. Go and be blessed. Right?